What's up, guys? Tuesday morning, another NFL weekend in the books. I think week 12 is over with now. Uh, a lot of action. Three games on Thanksgiving, which is always a bonus. And then a normal schedule on Sunday and then Monday night last night. Just going to do my top five. I mean, there's no reason to recap the whole the whole season and the whole schedule. Uh, my top five right now Um I guess I'm going to put Tampa Bay up there. I know they don't have the best record, and I know they've struggled at times on the road, but there's something about Tom Brady, man, and, and, that, and that offense. Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they just make stuff happen. Somebody's got to beat Tom Brady to make him uh, realize he's not 25 anymore. Uh, they need a little defense especially in the secondary, uh, they're a little weak there. Um, I thought, I think the Colts are on the cusp of being a really good team, but Carson Wentz can't play two halves of football. It looks really good in one half, and then he makes a turnover or misses throws in the second half. Tennessee Titan game uh, is an example of that. Bad interception in his own end zone. And uh, it just, you know, they can't put it together, especially with like an MVP candidate and Jonathan Taylor at running back, and their defense is pretty good, anchored by Darius Lloyd, or Leonard, excuse me, but uh, just can't put it together. So Tampa Bay is number one. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, man, is, is, is probably the real number one, or at least 1B. Um, had a lot of injuries. New Hopkins has missed several games. Kyler Murray's missed some games. They looked really bad against the Panthers when Cam came back, but other than that game, they've looked really strong all year long. Um, doing it with all kinds of uh, backups. James Conner running the ball. Defense is playing well. Uh, Kingsbury's name has come up for some college football jobs, but I don't see if you're successful in the NFL and you don't have to recruit, you don't have to deal with booster clubs, you don't have to, you know, spend all your offseason chasing high school athletes and then keeping an eye on college athletes. It seems like the NFL is the place to be, especially with the money and uh, the prestige, and less headaches. Um, so Arizona's number two, really a good team, and they could probably win it all, um, you know, going forward. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with the Patriots. It's, it's crazy to think that, you know, everybody kind of didn't think Mac Jones was good enough to be a franchise quarterback. 49ers took Trey Lance. Um the jury's still out on that guy. He may be okay. Um, he's one of the run-first quarterbacks. He's going to get hurt that way. Uh, Justin Fields, the Bears took him, another possibly miss. And it's hard to say because you don't know if anybody could survive being a good quarterback in Chicago right now under Matt Nagy. Um, they suck. But Fields leads the league in interceptions uh, or turnovers for the time he's spent in the game. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence went first, which I got no problem with that. I think once Jacksonville gets some free agents, another couple drafts, they'll be okay. He'll be a franchise guy. But Mac Jones quietly is uh, taking over the reins in New England. Uh, they play a, a style of football where it doesn't matter who's running the football. And they've always been this way, you know, from Antoine Smith to Corey Dillon to Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Rex Burkhead, James White, uh, whoever. You know, Sony Michelle. It didn't really matter to them who's running the football. They just power run with a couple tight ends, 
and uh, throw short passes for first downs and play good defense. And it's, it's even more impressive, I guess, getting rid of your MVP on defense and Stephon Gilmore. Um, you got rid of him, and they're just, you know, they're solid. Uh, Matt Judon has is, is anchored that defense in the middle, and uh, they're really strong. And if somehow they can get some home playoff games in Foxborough in the playoffs, it would be definitely an advantage. Um, number four, I'm going to put the Kansas City Chiefs in there. Solely because of the firepower they have on offense. I mean, we know they, they, they got the firepower on offense with Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, um, Travis Kelsey, a three-headed monster in the backfield. They've run a bunch of guys uh, back there. and But the defense is playing better. Um, they got some guys back, um, and, and the defensive line's getting after the quarterbacks. And then Tyrone Matthew is anchoring the secondary. I think they'll be all right. They, they sputtered out the gates early this year, but I think going forward, uh, they're going to be okay. Um, you know, Mahomes and that offense is going to score points. If they can get that defense to uh, to hold their own, I think they'll be okay. I'll put them at four. And there's a lot of teams that could go fifth. There's a lot of teams that are, that are on the cusp of being uh, pretty good or maybe very good. Um, I don't like anybody else. I don't like anybody in the AFC South. And other than the Bills, maybe. I don't like anybody in the East. The Ravens are okay because they play good defense. So Lamar Jackson's a wild card. But I think all four of those teams are pretty average. They can they're easily beatable. Um, and then in the West, you got Kansas City. I don't think the Raiders, the Chargers, or the Broncos are good enough yet. The Broncos are actually surprising me, getting rid of their best defensive player and playing good football. And uh, in, in the in the uh, in the NFC, Dallas has fallen off. That whole division's kind of average at best. Um, you know, the 49ers are playing better football. I like the Vikings. They just can't close the deal. Kirk Cousins has played really good this year, but they lose games late. So, with all that being said, I'll put Green Bay at five. Their defense is playing better. Uh, AJ Dillon's running the ball where Aaron Jones is hurt a little bit. And then with Aaron Rodgers back there at quarterback, you know, nothing's impossible. We've seen him do the impossible his whole career. So, and that's another team, if they can get some home playoff games, that Lambeau, that Lambeau field in uh, January is something different. It's tough, tough to win in there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, hell of a competitor. So I put Green Bay at five. There's a lot of guys who would go at five. Like San Francisco gets their stuff together with Debo Samuel running. And that defense picks up the pace a little bit. San Francisco could be a contender. Um, Kyle Shanahan's done a good job, you know, calling plays with those guys. So, you know, it'll change by the week. You know, Tampa Bay, until somebody knocks them off, they're going to be my number one. And like I said, Arizona could be number one. Kyle Murray, New Hopkins, healthy. That's a, that's a lethal com- a combination. And the defense is playing well. Uh, the Chiefs. Uh, you know, we know what the Chiefs are. The last two seasons, they've been really good. Um, won a Super Bowl, been to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, New England, back to where they belong, I guess. As long as Belichick's around, New England will be in that mix. Uh, got a got a future franchise quarterback, good running good running game, short passing game, and play good defense. And Nick Folk, a good kicker. You know, that's the biggest thing about those championship runs with with Benetieri was kicking those field goals and Goskowski as well. 
They won a lot of games by a field goal. So you got to have that guy who could kick in bad weather. And then the Packers, solely because of Aaron Rodgers. A lot of guys can move up in that fifth hole, and that'll probably change as the year goes. I talked about this on YouTube. Um, TV shows. I'm not a big TV show watcher. And until recently with the binge thing, you know, I haven't watched a lot of TV shows at all because generally when, you know, there's always a season, you know, right now it's football season and you got football on up to five days a week, six days a week with the Mac playing, make it seven days if they're playing Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, you know, basketball's on every day of basketball season. Uh, baseball's on every night. You know, there's golf, there's NASCAR. There's all kinds of stuff going on. There's occasional MMA, a boxing match. There's always some hockey playoffs. So it's hard to get locked in, you know, before you could stream this stuff at a different time. You know, when I was growing up, you either watched it at 8 o'clock on Tuesday or you didn't see it. So I never got locked into many TV shows. First TV show I really got locked into was The Sopranos. Um, I love the uh, I love the way that it's not a grungy style. It shows the lifestyle of the Sopranos. I think I've talked about this on a YouTube video before. I just like that you know they actually have a normal life, not just knocking over uh, you know uh, parking meters and, and trying to steal from some everybody and shooting up everybody like Godfather. Um, Dexter, I enjoyed Dexter something really unique the guy would kill bad guys cut them up and throw them in the harbor i thought that was always uh interesting take i think it's a good thing i wish there was real dexters in this world you just kill all the bad people cut them up and nobody really cares um always some storylines always some backstories with his father his sister um almost always gets caught but somehow it gets by um i always like the Iceman killer or whatever uh, haunting his past and, and trying to get him. That's, that's a good uh, that's a good show. I haven't watched a new one yet, but I'm going to. Um, the third one was The Ranch, when Danny Masterson was on The Ranch. I really enjoyed Ashton Kutcher, Masterson, Sam Elliott. That was a unique dynamic. Um, it's kind of like the 70s show, but instead of having Red, you had Sam Elliott calling uh, Ashton Kutcher a dumbass. It was, uh, it's always good. I, I like, I like Dak Shepard. I just don't think he fits in that role. He doesn't click like Danny Masterson did at Rooster, if you will. Um, so, but that, up until that point, that was a top show of mine. But going forward, especially on Sundays, it's really football. You know, the only other show I watch is Street Outlaws. Um, I watch that just because those guys throw a lot of money on drag racing. And I ain't into drag racing, but I do like guys uh, uh, betting on e betting on their car and, and uh, you know high stakes high stakes gambling. I like watching that. But anyway, Sunday night's tough because you know it's all day of football, and then Sunday night football comes on at 8:20. But I cut out an hour every week to watch Yellowstone, um, and it's getting good now. Storylines left and right. You know James Dutton, his son Casey, they in a they in a mess. Um, you got Rip, all but about to kill Lloyd. Lloyd, uh, Lloyd and kind of pissed off Rip, uh, Rip, and now you gotta wonder, is he gonna backstab him in some way? Uh, 
some way is Lloyd going to get pissed off and just take it out on Rip or take it out on the Dutton Ranch. It's interesting. Uh, Beth, she's doing her conniving things where she's going to do whatever she can to save her dad's place. Uh, she's sneaking in there and, and taking control of the other uh, company to try to benefit the Dutton Ranch. You know, that chick right there is pretty unique. I heard a lot of a lot of people mention her her character on the show. I mean, she's from Britain, so she's got an English accent, but she talks like she's from the Midwest. Always got a bruise or a gash on her cheek. Um, always roughhousing. She's a tough, tough chick. Um, you know, and strong businesswoman and cuss and carry on. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if anybody other than a guy like Rip could handle that right there. That's a wild horse. Um, but uh, t great role. She'll win some, uh, she'll, she'll, she'll win some uh, awards for that. Uh, she's a tough chick. Um, interested to see how it goes forward with Jamie, the bad brother, uh, the guy who's always trying to, uh, kind of the black sheep who takes business over family. No, no, I'm interested in all of it. They send the young buck off to the ranch. We'll see what happens to him, see if he ends up getting killed on a horse. He didn't have bad, he didn't have a couple bad, instances on the horses that broke his back and everything else um so going forward i'm looking forward to seeing you know what happens uh, i think it's the one of the most well-written stories where it's got like multiple storylines over multiple characters and it continues to keep going and keep your interest there's very few shows that can keep my interest like that especially that would make me not watch the first half of an nfl football game on sunday night so Yellowstone, that's a great show. Uh, if you hadn't seen it, check it out. Um, I'm sure most of you listening have seen it. But uh, that's one of my top four right there. Moving on, and close it out. And I know a lot of people don't like to talk about basketball during football season, but at South Carolina, you kind of got to. The women's basketball team is number one. Uh, I don't talk a lot about that until some of the other programs are up there. I think it's great that the women's program is good. At number one, that's that's great. Uh, Dawn Staley's recruiting the best players in the country. Hopefully she gets this girl, uh, uh, Joyce Edwards, out of Camden. She's the best player in the country. I think she graduates in 2024. Uh, been an All-American type since she's been in seventh grade. Um, I, you know, I want South Carolina to win every sport, you know, they're in. I'm not necessarily going to hang out at CLA and, and cheer them on, maybe, but I hope they do well. And – it's not a knock on women's basketball. I just think that shouldn't be your flagship. You know, as much money comes in in the other uh, major sports, you ought to be competitive. I don't know that, that, that Frank Martin will ever be as good stat-wise as Dawn Staley, but I want a competitive basketball team. And from what I've seen uh, last uh, Sunday, 2 o'clock against Ryder, they're still not a competitive basketball team. They had to shoot their way out of every uh, hole they get themselves into. And if anybody can defend the perimeter, they'll shut South Carolina down. Um, the Stevenson kids shoots well, but I just believe, uh, you know, a SEC team will probably man up on him. And Ryder only had one guy over 6'7", and South Carolina has a, a crew of guys over 6'7", and they still couldn't get nothing going inside. They got three guys who were – Upwards of 6, 9, 10, 11. 
um, but they have no forcefulness down low. I don't understand. Um, I guess Frank's still recruiting guys who are projects and hopes by the time they're a junior year, they turn into Chris Silva or Mike Kozar. But it doesn't happen that way. And uh, they, they shoot bad shots. They're not a great shooting basketball team other than the Stevenson kid if he gets hot. Kuznar can make a three, but when he makes one, he thinks he needs to shoot four more. And then the percentage goes from 100% to like 20%. And, and those long shots are just like turnovers. Uh, I don't have any positivity on this year's team. I, I really, from what I've seen, Keyshawn Bryant's back. That's 13, 15 points a game, some rebounds. I just don't think they have a guy they can ride. They don't have a Devin Downey. They don't have a Sundarius Thornwell. They don't have anybody that they can, you know, ride for 20 and 10 and then everybody else piece together a decent game. Uh, they'll shoot their way out of a lot of games, I think, because they think they're a three-point shooting team. They don't do it well. Um, and uh, once they get in the competition where guys have bigger, stronger guys down low, they're going to get in foul trouble, and then they're just going to get demolished down low. I, I don't see how this team goes 500, to be honest with you. Um, I think they're really one-dimensional. They will play good defense and all like that, but I don't think they're strong enough or physical enough or fast enough to beat some of these SEC teams. So hopefully this year's the last experiment with Frank Martin. He's had four years since the Final Four. I um, mean, he's, he's been drastically uh, underachieving since then. Um, nobody wants to play for that style of coach. And you can say it's the kids or the generation or what. That's fine. But you got to evolve, man. You see Coach K on the sidelines. He gives high fives. He pats on the butt. He's not a hard ass uh, all the time. He's hard ass on the court. But when the whistle blows, you know, he can actually uh, cheer or, or, or encourage his guys instead of calling them dumbasses like Frank Martin tends to do the whole 40 minutes on the court. So uh, hopefully, uh, I'm hoping, you know, they can win 20 games and make a tournament bid. I just don't see it. I think like 13 wins is the best they can do. And if that's the case, man, you got to move on. It's time to move. You can't just keep hoping and praying that next year is going to be the year because it's not. I mean, the guys he recruits either don't make the cut or they end up transferring out. And he's recruiting against teams like West Carolina, Western Carolina and these mid-majors. He's never in the, in the hunt for these guys who go out of state. Nobody wants to play for Frank Martin. And it is what it is. I mean, he can say he's building uh, young men and all that stuff. But go get a job at the Boy Scouts, man. Um, we need to win basketball games. You're getting paid a, a nice salary to uh, coach basketball, not be a guidance counselor. So that's it. That's today's show. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to break into some of the championship weekend coming up. Georgia, Alabama, Iowa, Michigan. Um, we'll talk about some of the coaching changes. Hopefully more of those take place. Uh, Brian Kelly to LSU, Lincoln Riley to uh, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going I'm to throw those out there. I got some scenarios and some thoughts on that. I, I don't have enough to say that Lincoln Riley is Pete Carroll or Urban Meyer or uh, Nick Saban. I, you know, he took over an Oklahoma team that was 11 win a team that had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray on the roster currently. Plenty of NFL guys, 
running backs and wide receivers. And then after those two guys played out their time, Jalen Hurts transferred in, another national champion. So Mike Gundy has kind of built Oklahoma State from the ground up, from a bad team to a good team. Lincoln Riley's pretty much just maintained a good team and, and limited competition in the Big 12. I don't think uh, I don't think he's on that upper echelon. I think they're way overpaying him, and because he's in the Pac-12, um, he may not lose two but two games. His schedule next year, he only has two ranked teams: Utah and Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't have a coach right now. On the flip side, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame, where you know he's going to win 10, 11 games a year. I don't know if he just got tired of being up there. Um, Maybe he felt like not being in a conference, he couldn't play for a national championship. I'm not sure. I don't think LSU's the greatest fit. I think they'll win games. The dude can run offense. We've seen that. Uh, last few weeks, they've been putting up some points. I think Brad Johnson's son's down there at quarterback. I think he's going to uh, be great. And uh, I think his name's Max. He's going to be a great quarterback. His his, uh, his younger brother is like the number one tight end in the country right now, recruit-wise. I think Brian Kelly gets him. I think you're going to have a, a great combination on offense. Get some of them big kids that live down there in the bayou, put them on the defensive line, get back to getting wide receivers and uh, defensive backs that are electric. And I think LSU will win a lot of games if they if, if the personalities don't clash. Brian Kelly's a different guy. He's not Ed Ogeron. I don't know that he's less miles. So we're going to see. Um, you got to think – Definitely got to thank Orgeron for winning that championship. Uh, he did get Joe Burrow in there. He put Joe Brady, uh, Dave Aranda, uh, at the defensive coordinator, and uh, he put that together. You know, it was a, it was a perfect storm with a, with a bunch of good wide receivers. Uh, Hilaire at running back, Jamar Chase out there, uh, Randy Moss's son tight end, uh, a bunch of good guys on defense, Queen and Delphit, a bunch of all SEC guys. Perfect storm and blew everybody out the field. I think most teams would trade uh, a couple six and six seasons for a national championship. I get Ogeron was doing some off the field stuff that's kind of crazy, but I mean, man, you know, you, you a lot of universities would trade a lot of things to win a national championship, go 15 and 0 and have a Heisman Trophy winner. But obviously LSU didn't want to trade. They got the championship and give old Coach O $18 million to hit the road. We'll see where he lands as well. Hell, he might take some time off. Um, I think he like to party still. Got a young girlfriend, so you might see him in the booth on Saturdays talking about football and then spending the next six days uh, drinking uh, Bahama Mamas. We'll see. We'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about the playoffs, talk about the coaching searches, Venables, Beamer, what happens there. Hope you have a good week. See you tomorrow.